You are listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. To learn more about Piedmont Church, including our gathering times in Macon, you can visit us online at piedmontchurch.net. So my wife and I got married uh, just over 13 years ago. And uh, as we moved into our first house, she attempted to make it a home. And uh, like we do, we begin to what? Decorate our homes. And Amy really wanted to have live plants in our house. Now, as a guy's perspective, my question is why? But when you get married, you quickly learn, or should be quickly men, you stop asking that question and you just go, yes, ma'am. And so she begins to grow these plants in our house, uh, inside, going against the Lord, but um, (laughs) she's not here, so I can say this right now. Uh, So anyway, she begins to grow these plants, and and over time, uh, she struggles. There are some plants that that take really well, and and they they thrive and they grow. And then there are other plants that a two-year-old picks up and throws on the ground, and they didn't make it. And then there are some that didn't get enough water or got too cold or uh, some sort of, you know, infestation of bugs took over. I mean, we, we went through the gamut on figuring out how to grow plants inside. Now, some of you are going out there, it seems like it's pretty easy, but obviously you've never grown anything because growing plants isn't just natural. Like, it doesn't just happen. You can't just walk outside, take some seeds, and throw it on our well-manicured, you know, hard Georgia clay, terrible ground, right? Because it's probably not going to take. As you can see, our grass doesn't even want to take at times. And, and, And so growing things doesn't just naturally happen, but it does happen naturally in the right soil, right? When the right soil is in place, when there's adequate sunlight, when there's adequate water, all of a sudden, these seeds that we can cast out and grow and throw out, they, they, they just grow. And then you have, sometimes you have at your house, you have these hardy plants that you can't seem to kill. Like, no matter what you throw at them, I think I had some hostas one time in our front yard that I literally sprayed with weed killer, and they just looked at me and laughed. Like, they're like, no, no chance. We're good. We're, we're hardy. And that's what we're going to kind of look at this morning, is this idea of what Jesus is talking about, where, where seeds were thrown out, and there were some seeds that didn't take root, and there were some that did, that just didn't make it, and then there were some that took root that still didn't make it, and then there's that last portion that, man, they, they thrived. They, they really grew. But before we kind of dive into the text, I, I want to ask you two questions. I want you to really kind of think about these two things in the context of all the stuff that we've heard this morning. The first question is this. What do you believe it takes for our hearts to grow into a love for Jesus? What do you believe it takes for our hearts to grow into a love for Jesus? And the second question, what would it take to see God's church, this church, grow because of the reach of the gospel. So what does it take to make the individual's heart grow into a love of Jesus? And then what does it take for a church to grow because of the gospel? As Josh read earlier, thank you for reading our text this morning, we're looking at this parable that Jesus told, and oftentimes he he told parables. 
and he tells us in different places in Scripture, he's told them for some so that they wouldn't just automatically understand the definition. He told, he told some pretty intense stories. And you'd listen, you'd go, I have no idea what this guy's talking about. And then he'd pull away with his disciples, and he'd say, okay, here's what I really mean. And this is one of those instances where he's talking to a group of people, and he tells this story. And there's kind of three focal points in the story, right? You have the sower, the person who's out there throwing the seeds, which leads me to the next. You have the seed. And then the final is the soil. So you have a sower, you have a seed, and then you have a soil. And inside of those kind of three things, you have four different scenarios, right? You have one in which the seed never really takes root, and so there is no growth because why? The birds come and take it. And then you have a second scenario where it takes a little bit of sprouting. Maybe not doesn't take necessarily root is what Scripture says, but then what happens? It's, it's on rocky ground, and so there is no root, and so it can't actually grow any further. And then there's a third one where it does have a root, but so does all the other negative things around it, the thistles, the thorns, the weeds, and so they all grow up together, but eventually it takes all of the resources, and so the seed can't actually grow and thrive and live because it gets then choked out And then you have the final one, the good soil, the one that receives growth and is vital and lives and thrives. Well, instead of me explaining this, just a few verses later, Jesus does this, and I think he does a much better job than me. So let's just read what he says. Verse 18. He's talking to his disciples. He says, hear then the parable of the sower. I'm going to unpack this for you is what he says. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes, talking about Satan, and snatches away what has been sown in this person's heart. This is what was sown along the path. When the birds came, that is the representation of Satan coming and taking it away. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. This is important. He immediately receives it with joy. In churches all across our world and all throughout time, we've, you know, just gone heads and, you know, shoulders over like amazing how it is when somebody walks down an aisle. And it is an amazing thing when somebody walks down their aisle and quote unquote gives their life to Jesus. But it doesn't just stop there, right? It's not just this one time thing because what happens? It says that yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, keep that. Like, because you're in Christ, because you have stood up for your faith beliefs, there will be tribulation and persecution. It says immediately that person falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. That, that's almost a picture of someone who maybe was in the church their whole life. Right? They, they, they've, they've done all the things. Maybe they served on a deacon board or an elder board or whatever. And they, they kind of went through the motions. But in reality, you're looking at this, this situation of this person who there was really never any actual root to Jesus it was it was kind of clamored out by all of the other things there was there was no fruit there was no growth there 
As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, and another sixty, and another thirty. So not only did they grow in God, but what happened? Other growth happens because of their growth. So let's break down these, these three things inside of this parable. You have the seed, which is clearly the gospel. This is the good news. This is the story of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And in the sense that Jesus is sharing this story, what he's sharing to the people is that, hey, I am the Messiah, and so when you put your faith in me, then you have growth. So the seed is the understanding of who Jesus is. That's the gospel. And then you have the soil. That's, that's pretty obvious. It's the person. It's the person hearing. It's each individual understanding what's going on with this seed. And then you have the sower. Now traditionally, the sower, most theologians would say the sower is God, right? God's out there, the one sowing the seeds. The seed is the gospel, his story. And then we just receive it. But what if? What if the sower is also us empowered by the Holy Spirit? Like, instead of the traditional view of it's just God, what if the sower is the Christ follower empowered by the Holy Spirit, which would then make the soil a person who isn't in Christ, right? Because they haven't received the seed yet. And so Christians are going out, and they are sowing the seed. They're throwing the gospel. And then the soil is the non-Christian then hearing the seed, the gospel. Last week, we, we, we ended that sermon series looking at faith and work and, and rest and all of the things by looking at one specific passage in Matthew 28, 19. And, it, and it's basically said, when we, when we translate the word go, in that very first word, in the very first Verse 28:19 says, "As you go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit." So that go isn't just like, "Hey, go on an overseas mission trip." It's really as you go. So like as you're living your life, as you're working, as you're parenting, as you're being a great friend, as you're in relationships, as you're doing all of those things, make disciples of all nations. So that, that's the mission. That, that's, that's what we've been given as Christians. As Christ followers, you and I have been given the task of as you're working, as you're doing all your things, make disciples. Like that's the ultimate goal of why you live. So let's go back to this, this thing. So if, if we then are supposed to be sowers, how does this work? Well, Paul unpacks in Romans chapter 10. Verse 13, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him, in Jesus, of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Don't get, don't get tied up in that word preaching to go, like, well, Chris, that's your job. Because in Greek, that's uh, an evangelizo. is kind of a you know, terrible pronunciation of it. But it's really a word to, to say that as we go and just tell. 
It, it doesn't mean that you need a degree. It doesn't need that you mean that you need to know all the fancy words. It's just telling. You can tell me the news. You can tell me the weather. You can tell me what kind of car you drive. You can tell me where you bought your shirt most of the time. You can tell me a lot of things. So don't get to this place and go, well, I can't preach the gospel. He didn't say preach the gospel. He says tell the gospel, and that's our English translation of preach. It's about 50 times throughout the New Testament. They go back and forth in different places with our English, but the Greek there is go tell the gospel, go, go, go speak it. So how, how are they to be saved? They have to believe. How are they to believe? They have to hear, and how are they to hear it? It has to be proclaimed, spoken, taught, preached, whichever one you want to use. And then it says, how are they to preach unless they are sent? How are they supposed to go do this thing unless they've acknowledged that the mission of their life is to go do this? Like, that's why you exist. To, to go and tell somebody else, as a Christ follower, your job, your worship, as Hunter talked about, is as you go, tell somebody about Jesus. Like, that's, that's why you exist. You know, Big philosophical question, why did God make me? To make him known. That's it. I mean, that's as simple and as grand and as deep as that is at the same time. You exist to make him known. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have any other purposes that kind of go along that, because he says what? As you go. But the ultimate purpose of, of your life is to throw seed. Paul, talking to the church in Corinth, says it like this. He's talking about his buddy Apollos and himself. He said, what then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants, through whom you, talking about the people, you believed as the Lord assigned to each. Paul says, I planted, I threw out seed. Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is really anything but only God who gives growth. We put on social media this week a little teaser of like, I think a very important question we all ask. Like, how do I know if I'm called? What am I called to? What, what is my calling in life? We, you have probably all asked that question at some point. What is my calling? What has God called me to do? What am I supposed to do? And the simple answer is, your calling is to throw gospel seeds as a, as a Christ follower. That, that's it. To, to, to walk into as you go and to throw seeds. Our, our sermon title today is A Fruitful Life. And to, to receive the calling and to, to walk in your fruitful life, they are tied to your willingness to follow Jesus' command. Like, if you want to have a fruitful life and you want to function in your calling, I'm not saying function in your job. We'll get to that. I'm not saying function in your career, function in the relationship. I'm saying the ultimate purpose in which you exist, I exist, every single person on this world exists. And that can be said about those who aren't in Christ as well, like, even in their defiance, they point back to God. They might not know it, and I don't have time to unpack that heavy thing today, but everything on this earth points back to Him. And the moment that we can like 
sit and revel in that truth. And, and in some ways, kind of take the weight of what am I supposed to do with my life? Like, what is my calling? The moment we can kind of take that weight off and go back to what I talked about for like five weeks and put his yoke on will be the moment that you find freedom. Like, that will be the moment that you go, I can breathe. The weight is, is no longer there. The anxiety of what college am I supposed to go to? What career step am I going to make? My boss is either making me quit or making me hate my job. What am I supposed to do? And all of it, every single trial, every single amazing thing that you go through, all points back to God saying, are you throwing seeds? I mean, think about that. As a parent, are you throwing seeds? As a coworker, are you throwing seeds? One of the ways that we as the church have kind of been made by God to, to point people to this idea of how do we grow in Christ individually and, and as a church, like how do we make his kingdom known, is we've done this through service. That's where our sermon is today. We have been given a place to serve. And not only have you been given a place to serve, you have been given a gift to serve there. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing, joy. I lost my place. <laughs> gifts of healing by this, the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between the spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of those tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, God, who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Every single one of us has a gift. Some of us may have more than one. Some of us may have more than two or three. Because it's a portion to us as He wills. But every single one of us, best believe, we do have a gift. And all of those gifts lead back to one place. Hunter beat me there. Romans 12.1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, your gifts, your everything, your service, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, your adoration you're laying down you're acknowledging that i have received the calling and i am functioning in that calling we as the church have such an amazing opportunity to see the kingdom of god grow right here in west macon northwest macon but it's going to take each and every one of us to receive the calling that God has given us and to say, I'll go throw some seed with you. I'll do this. I'll walk that path. I'll throw that seed. I'll go to that tough soil and I'll throw some seed. 
Every Sunday we come, we throw seed. Every Monday through Saturday, you live your life. The hope is that you are throwing seed. Stephen Colbert, you may have heard earlier this week, I believe it was, was asked by a guest on his show to talk about his faith. Stephen Colbert is a, a Catholic, and the, the, I think they asked the question of like, hey, when does your faith ever uh, kind of get in the way or kind of, you know, go alongside of your comedy? How, how, how do you wrestle with that? And in his answer, he, he pointed to the gospel. Now, he didn't explicitly say the gospel, but he pointed to it. You know, at one point he even said a statement like, you know, I don't believe death is the end. There's a victor over death. And leave it to the Twitter, the Twitter sphere. Somebody gets on there, and it's an evangelical Protestant, and they go, somebody's going to be upset because Colbert goes on and talks about his faith, but he doesn't actually say the gospel, and so everything he did is terrible is what they're going to say. And sure enough, a lot of Protestants get on there and start bashing this dude. And I'm in bed with Amy the other night, and I'm just talking. I'm going, man, you know what's interesting is there's been times in my life where I could have read or heard this thing from Colbert, and I could have walked away going, man, he didn't take every step to throw that seed. Like he kind of he left the punch there. But today where I'm at, what I'm seeing is, you know, Colbert left the door open. He answered the question. And he gave a clear directive to where the answer is. He, he even said his name, Jesus. And as much as we can all bash people in a public place because they didn't answer the question the way that we would, which, which is interesting because we've never walked their shoes, so we don't even know what it is to be them and to be in their life. Because if Colbert answers the question the way that you and I might say we would answer the question, maybe Colbert doesn't have a job the next day, so he never gets asked another question. But because the way he answered it, he does point to the gospel. He does throw a seed. He, he, he leads people to a place. And I just find it so interesting that in, in a place like today where you and I can come in and we can hear that God is saying, hey, Throw seeds, throw seeds, throw seeds. We can make all sorts of excuses why we can't throw seeds. But what we need to understand is that he's not always asking you to lay the killer punch. Like those guys who were holding signs on the side of the road saying you're going to hell might not be the best way for you or even for them at all times. Like we, when we took a group to, uh, to college kids to passion, like a Jesus gathering, there are people at Passion holding signs saying that people who worship to Passion's music and listen to preaching of Louis Giglio are going to hell. And I'm like, read the room, bro. Like, seriously? I mean, 60,000 people just drove from wherever to go to this place. You really think that's what's going to help at all? And I, I don't even want to get into the theological places that how somehow you took a turn and got there, but... Maybe you're throwing a seed is not always hammering the gospel. Maybe it's functioning in it and living in it. But maybe it's not always, hey, did you know that if you don't turn and repent right now, you're going to hell? But if you put your faith in Jesus, then maybe it's just a simple act of holding a door for someone and smiling and making them feel loved. 
Maybe it's like our prayer and care team. When, when they find out that somebody is sick in the church, they, they rally around the community groups and other leaders and they say, hey, how can we go love on this person? How can we take them food? Maybe, maybe someone hadn't even seen, and, you know, we, we took some food to another couple in the church. I hadn't even seen them in two years. Like maybe that was a seed to show them the hands and feet of Jesus. We didn't leave a card on there saying, hey, if you don't come back to church and tithe well, you're not going to go to heaven. Like that's not what happened. We just say, hey, we love you. We hope you feel better. Like maybe us throwing seeds is us just functioning as God has called us to in love. On the worship team, the connection desk, all these places that as the church, God has given us to reach more people. What is stopping us? Well, sometimes we get to a place and we say, well, I, I don't really know my gifting. I, so I, I don't really know where to serve. I don't really know how to function in these other places because I, I don't know my gifting. Have you tried? Have you tried to figure it out? Have you taken a spiritual gift test? Have you talked to one of us on the staff or the team? Talking about like, hey, we'd love to help you figure out what you're good at. I was telling somebody the other day, like, gifting matters. Here's why. I've had people in my life that be like, hey, I want to serve in your worship team. Cool. One of the two things that we always look for in people serving is calling and gifting. So calling, we're all called to serve, but then gifting kind of dictates where you should serve. So I had somebody up here one time. We were auditioning. I'm not even sure if it was here. It actually wasn't here. It was another church years ago. And they get up here to sing, and within 2.2 seconds, I knew that that was not their gifting. <laughs> right? And now some would go, oh, she, she, she just loves, she loves the Lord, so let's get up there and sing. She can sing right there on the third row. <laughs> right? God loves her voice just the way it is. We don't need to hear it like that. And that's not a not, that's not saying, oh, she's not talented. She has a talent somewhere. It's just not there. Like, there's been times where I've been called to function outside of my gifting, and it ends poorly. Like, it is not a good thing. So, we need to figure out where we're gifted so we can serve. Uh, Henry Blackaby uh, says this. He, he says, watch to see where God is working and join him in his work. The truth is that God can do anything he pleases through an ordinary person who is fully dedicated to him. Oh, I don't know where to serve. I don't know where I'm gifted. I, I, I'll just have to wait until, no, jump in. Find where God's moving and go jump in. Maybe you're not going to be gifted in that place. We'll move you somewhere else. Don't take it hard. I've been moved a lot of places. I've worn a lot of hats. You've got to find out what you're bad at to know what you're good at. Sometimes that's how it works. If you coaches, you know, you know what I'm saying? JG, you got some players out there. They were trash at a position. You moved them somewhere else, they're all of a sudden pretty decent. Not good, just decent. Maybe you're saying, oh, I'm too old. I can't do this. Like, I can hear it as the next-gen team's up there. There's some people going, nope, I hate kids. They don't like me, blah, blah, blah. I hear you. I was a student pastor for like 10 years, and I don't always love kids. But maybe God wants to use you to reach someone else. And I'll put it this, I'll say it like this, I don't think it's for you to always decide if you're not good at something. You know, like 95% of people think they're self-aware. The reality is 10% of people are self-aware. So just put that in your pocket. There's all sorts of examples that I could get up here and talk about how we, we function outside of gifting. And, and I think what ultimately God wants us to do is he wants us to answer the call to serve, to go through seed. I was listening to a Passion, a Passion City podcast. I think it's called Passion and Purpose. The title of it was, Why Doing a Stadium Event Takes a Move of God and a Strong Team. 
And, and if you know anything about passion, you know, they put on these big conferences, and it hasn't always been this way. I think the first gathering had 2,000 people, which is still a large gathering, but this, this latest one had over 60,000. And so their team is coming together talking about how, how does that work? How, how do you plan an event for 60,000 people? They fed 60,000 people to lunch in like 15 minutes. To set up for this last event, I think they had about 16 hours total starting at like 1 a.m. because there was a football game in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So at 1 a.m. and 16 hours later or something like that, their event started. Think about the, the massive amount of manpower it takes to, to move those mountains. And then on top of that, no offense, college kids, I love you, but you've got to deal with 60,000 college kids who are, generally speaking, broke. So how are you going to get them to pay for a ticket, pay for a hotel, get there, and then make sure that they don't kill somebody or break all the laws in the world in Atlanta while they're there? Love you, I promise. It's a big task. And so they recorded this podcast, but one of the things they said at about the 47-minute mark I thought was just key to what we're talking about today with this, this calling and this serving. Listen to this. I think there's so many things that people run into and decide can't be done, but I think what's unique about our team is we're always like there's, there's a way to f figure out how it can be done. And that's, Jonathan is always finding those ways. So I just think that we're, the reason passion does a lot of things we do is we're, no is usually not an answer that we're willing we're to take. We're comfortable with. No, it's not our, <laughs> we not say, our first take. We uh, say in our sure. culture around here that we uh, like to turn no's into yeses. And sometimes you cannot turn a no into a yes. It just, you get down to the point and it's like, it's a no. And everyone in this circle will accept a no yeah. when it's really a no. Like we run down 21 different scenarios and it's still a no. We pulled every, you know, idea we could. It's still a no. But normally people will take the no too soon. How do you know the yeah. difference, Jonathan? Um, well, no for most people is code for, um, is, is a, it's a code word, code word for uh, I'm not trying hard enough, um, I need a break, or... Um, for a lot of people, I think it's actually, I don't believe in what I'm trying to get happen enough that I'm committed to it all the way through. Wow. Because if you're committed to the vision, then you can't take no for an answer uh, for the most part. I mean, sometimes you get to the very, very bottom of it and you're like, okay, there's nothing else left. But again, if you've done every single thing and tried every single route and thought, hey, I'm going to be humble and ask people for help. I'm going to try to approach things in different ways. I'm going to try to connect things that are normally unconnected. If you've if you've done that and you get to the bottom, maybe no's a no, and that's okay. But at least you, again, haven't left anything on the table. You've done every possible um, thing to, to try to make it happen. And that's where you see some of those miracles yeah. that we're talking about that let you know that you're with God. I believe that our, our church and all churches have been placed in a position to grow. And I don't want you to hear that and think, oh, church growth, blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. Here's what church growth should equal. Seeds taking root and growing in the gospel. We are not necessarily interested. Now, there's a lot of us in here have come all a lot of places, but we don't sit down as a staff team and go, how do we take members from another church? You know what we do sit around and talk about as a staff? How do we create new disciples? Like, how do we reach the 100,000 people in our city that do not proclaim Jesus as Lord? 
Like, that's what my heart jumps to. If somebody else wants to come from another church to come here because God has led them to serve here, I'll accept them. I'll love them exactly like I would love a new person in Christ. But I, I do believe that God has planted the church, this church, so that you and I will begin to sow seeds in people's life and see the kingdom of God grow. In this day, we're highlighting ways that God has kind of given us organizationally systems to help reach people. It's through all these teams that you'll see in the back and here in just a moment as we close. But I, I want to leave you with this word from Matthew chapter 9 as we talk about will you throw the seeds of the gospel. It says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Keep in mind, he's looking at this and he's seeing brokenness all around. In some ways, we see brokenness in our world. Like I don't know if we see it exactly like this every day, but if we were to open our eyes, we see things that are broken in our world every single day. We see the masses that need Jesus. And here's what he leans into his disciples, and he's leaning into you and I saying it right now this morning. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray, take action, move earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He sent you here to Macon, to Piedmont, to your job, to your kids' school, to the ball team, to the hobby, to the trivia night. He has sent you. And so as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so the question for all of us this morning is are we committed to having a fruitful life and answering the call of Jesus by using our gifting and serving right where God has planted us? Let me pray. Lord, I pray that you'll convict us, you move our hearts, that you'll allow us to see that you have given us all that we need to serve, all that we need to, to function as your children in this kingdom. God, I pray that if, if there's someone in this room this morning that, that's struggling to understand what, what it means to be a child of God, that we will all recognize the gospel this morning that we're broken, we're dead in our trespasses, and you sent your son, Jesus, to come be the bridge to bring us from death to life. And if we, as Paul said, believe, we repent and put our faith in you, we will be new creations in your son, Jesus Christ. And as those new creations, we will function in the gifting of the Holy Spirit that you've given us. Move our hearts to serve. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.